Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Property. I'm John Pigeon and I'm joined by Emily Wallace. Hello, Emily. Hello, sitting across the couch from you. Yes, good to see you here. We're talking today about your listener questions. So you've reached out to us through the beautiful M3 community and we're going to answer a heap of your questions. Definitely. We've got them from Insta. We've got them from Facebook. They're coming from all over the place. Yeah. We're is, ready to answer them. Which is awesome. So let's get stuck into this. Let's get into it. So our first question actually came through, I tagged you in an Insta post because you use Insta these days. <laughs> Someone does on behalf of me, but yeah, keep going. People should follow us on Insta. Uh, so uh, Shani yes. asks, general tips for negotiating price on a property in a private sale, how to structure your offer. Now- we have, and we will reference in the show notes, done a, f- a full episode on this. However, I think it'd be great to do some high-level quick tips yes. for the listeners. So, yeah, it's reasonably broad, Shani, but we'll we'll start with a few. Uh, one is try and get it off market before it lists as a private sale. Yes. Uh, number two, make sure your terms and conditions are clear and concise and you've got a deadline. I like to have a deadline in my offer. So 100%. I offer X amount, uh, but it's due or, or it expires 5 p.m. today or tomorrow, giving the vendor enough time but not too much time to respond. Yep. means we're serious. The other one is I don't like to put a finance clause in there. Mm. Most properties, uh, sales that knock over a result of finance. Mm. So if, if someone or an, an agent and the vendor s- sees that we haven't got a finance clause in there and we tell them that the, the finance is all good, that might give us a leg up. Now, you might say, John, that you're fraught with danger there. What if our finance isn't approved? Well, you've got a clause in there that might say subject to building and pest. Yes. So the building and pest might not be satisfactory to your demands. So you pull out. Yeah, there's ways around it. There's ways around it, isn't there? Definitely. But just on that as well, obviously, it would be very sensible and wise to have a pre-approval in place, conditional pre-approval. That means the only condition for the bank to approve your finance is evaluation of a property that you have put your name to. So Mm -hmm. chat with your broker. We're obviously not mortgage brokers. Uh, We buy and invest in property, but we've been around the traps. We know what the Mm -hmm. goal is and what looks attractive. The less clauses, the better. Yeah. Now, just on that conditional approval, you may also need to provide up-to-date pay slips as they're doing the valuation as well. So just make sure you don't go and change jobs or apply for new car loans and things like that. Uh, in between getting the pre-approval and buying the property. Good point. Very good point. All right. So definitely some high-level points about negotiating and putting forward an offer. A deadline is key. Outline your terms. Act swiftly uh, and be reasonable, I think is fair to say. Yeah, reasonable is good. 
now we've got Elise Mia. I think Mia might be her middle name. This is on Instagram, so I'm yes, just taking a stab name. here. <laughs> she has asked around renting a room out slash Airbnb in your own home to help reduce repayments. Oh, yes. Mortgage repayments. So effectively subletting. Mm. You might be in a double-storey home and there might be self-contained part off to the side on the on the ground floor. You can Airbnb it. What are, I guess, maybe the implications of that? What do you need to factor in? It's been yeah. an interesting one. It's a good opportunity, no doubt about that. The first thing you've got to think of is, does it affect my capital gains tax? Mm. I'm getting an income from this property. Um, yes, it's my owner occupiers I nominate, but uh, definitely chat to your accountant about that as to the pros and cons of that. It, it could affect your CGT upon sale. So, but generally speaking, if you're getting income from your property to help pay your mortgage, then yeah, eases the burden, means that you can you can obviously pay the loan down quicker, means you might have a better lifestyle as a result, but you also have to consider living with someone else that you may or may not know. Definitely. And I think a lot of first home buyers, particularly solo first home buyers, um, think, you know, around that they'll get a three bedroom uh, place and they'll turn two of the bedrooms into, you know, like a share house set up. Great. Just make sure you've got some firm agreements in place. Make sure um, that the people that you're subletting to are reasonable people who have a proven record of being able to pay rent. Mm, yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it can be a great way to help pay down your mortgage sooner. Yeah, for sure. We've got another question here from Bianca. She actually asked this in the My Millennial Money Facebook group, which is where our number of questions come from. And she says, how do I purchase a second property? We've been trying to save for a second property, which is proving a lot slower than saving for the first. Very interesting point. Does anyone have tips, bank hacks or advice on how to do this? What red flags should we look out for or avoid? Yeah, we could almost do a a whole episode on this, I feel. Mm. I don't know your situation, but one thing I would look at is what's the cost of the first property we've got? Yes. Right. Now, if if it's proving to be more difficult the second time around, mm. something's changed. Mm. What has changed? Is it is it your income? Is it your living expenses? Is it the running costs of that first property? So is I presume she's living in it? Oh, uh, yeah, it one. sounds like it, yeah. yes. So her mortgage is obviously higher than the rent was before she bought that, yes. right, which is impacting her savings potential, I'm presuming. I don't know. Yeah, that's a very valid presumption though because yeah. most people would pay a slightly more in mortgage repayments than rent, generally yeah, well, in speaking. today's times, the cash rate being so low, it's it's actually neutralising a lot, isn't it? So that's why a lot of people are getting into the market because it is so affordable to hold a home even if it is P&I at Two and a half percent. So, mm. yeah, it's. Um, I, I think, in in my experience, the second one is a lot harder than the first. Yes. A lot of the times, and and no disrespect to um the question at all, but a lot of people get that first one wrong because they're not thinking about the second one in mind. Mm. So, just um, if you're out there having not bought property yet, think about what your next play on the chessboard is. Definitely. And I think that's episode worthy of itself about yeah. thinking about the future, you know, a 10 to 15 year plan potentially yes. um, from your first one and upscaling. So mm. keep posted folks. We will deliver on that. Yeah. Just as a finishing note on that question though, mm. I, I didn't really help her solve the problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really just means how can I 
create extra savings quicker. So yeah. that can be a multiple range of things. It's selling off some items that we don't need. Is it a second job, a side hustle? Is it extra income from the first property that we've got? Mm. Um, yeah, borrow from mum and dad, I don't know. <laughs> steal? No, don't steal. No, don't no. steal. No. We don't encourage stealing. No. Um, but we do encourage being savvy. That's right. Yes, definitely. Mm. Now, there was an anonymous uh, question on the community group, they are actually looking at helping a relative to sell their property. So we're talking about the selling side now. Uh-huh. They personally don't live in the area that this um, family member needs to sell in. They want to help out. I think the family member might be a bit unwell. Right. And they are asking how do they go about that with agents. Now, I did respond in the comments, but I think we can expand on this around using a vendor advocate in this situation. Mm. Now, I don't know if you've come across too many in your time. I haven't, no. See the value in them. It's an interesting one, just for, for reference. A vendor advocate, it is essentially someone who comes in, they will interview uh, real estate agents on your behalf and they will pick the best agent with the best structure, uh, the best plan forward to sell the property. It's of no cost to you. They actually share a commission with the selling agent, mm. okay? Now, the reason I suggested a vendor advocate is, number one, they essentially project manage the sale. Yep. Number two, they have knowledge of the agents in the area and can screen and vet them for you and, and solid market knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number three, it's a trusted person on your side so that you're not just having an agent who tells you what you want to hear in terms of pricing. They're actually keeping it really real. Uh, and you've got one point of contact through the whole process. So I think there is a level of value in vendor advocacy, mm. um, and, and particularly in that situation where a family member who actually can't sell the property themselves, they've got health issues that are limiting their ability to, to sell the property. They've asked a fam- family member to help. Yep. <laughs> they feel a bit out of their depth. They've handballed it. Handballed it, and now you handball it to a vendor advocate. Yeah. That sounds pretty logical, mm. yeah. personally. Yeah, well, there's no downsides from what you can see if you're engaging a vendor advocate and it doesn't cost you anything Mm. it's whether the agent's happy to actually split some of their uh, their pie Mm. so yeah if you're not using a vendor advocate uh, what would you do well you'd contact five or six agents Uh, rate my agent is a good website Mm, it is had them on last year i believe yeah and yeah they were fantastic on the podcast, but also <laughs> they, yeah, it's a really transparent website. It's uh, you can't push yourself up the listings. Yep. It's just simply reviews based lists by performance, basically. So yep. whether you're a property manager or a, a, um, a selling agent, yep. you can jump on that and check them out in your postcode. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's a really good resource. Um, And just to add to that, if you're considering a particular agent, go to one of their scheduled open for inspections and check out how they operate because how they represent that vendor should be how they represent you. Eyeball them. Eyeball them. Mm. Get face to face. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. We are going to take a quick break, but there's plenty more questions from our community that we want to get to. So stick around. We'll be back with more of your questions and we'll give you a shout out if you've posted one. We'll be with you in a sec. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. We're still here to answer your questions. John, you're still there? I'm here. You're still there. Fired up, ready to answer more. <laughs> okay, so we have a question around the importance of home and contents insurance. Now, obviously, John and I are not insurance brokers. We don't sell insurance for a living, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we, we do not. <laughs> However, we can touch on this and maybe we get an expert to, to dive a bit further because there's a fair bit to insurance, isn't there? Yeah, look, it's any insurance I think is a, a cost of doing business, isn't it? Yep. To, for your protection, for your sleep at night. Some mm. insurances you use more than most, uh, yep. more than others, but some of them hopefully you never use. But I think home and contents, well, Building insurance is a prerequisite if you're loaning to buy a property, first and foremost. Yes. Um, contents insurance. Look, when I was at university, probably didn't need it. <laughs> Not much value there. <laughs> what's, nope. on, what's on my back? Two-minute noodles? Or? Yeah, that's it. No, no need insuring that. Uh, but, yeah, as your maybe contents grow over time, it's maybe wise to get um, some insurances in place. Mm think we can go overboard yeah so yeah having a good person in your corner for that personally I like to outsource that and and get an insurance broker to analyze all that for me 100% bring back the simplified version that we can understand in plain English yeah yeah absolutely and I think what happens annually with most insurance policies is they automatically have an increase Anywhere from three to seven percent, I've found. It's pretty so big. it is big. So that's where an insurance broker, if you haven't got the time to do it, mm. would definitely go and research. Is that still the best insurer for me? It's not always cost, but it's one factor, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's something – and actually as a consumer, taking my, my property hat off and thinking mm. myself as an individual here, I think we often underestimate the value of what we do have in contents. Yes. It's like, oh, I don't have that much. Well, okay, you have a laptop, you've got a phone, you've yeah. got some nice furniture, you've got some valuables. It actually does add up. Totally. And, you know, if, if the house caught on fire yeah. and you had to replace everything, yep. what's the cost of that? It's yeah. not going to be cheap. 
have a good old look in the wardrobe. And, yes, uh, <laughs> some designer shoes maybe. That's it. Some Louis Vuitton. <laughs> John loves his Louis Vuitton. <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't see me and Louis, but uh, anyway. That's all right. Yeah. Okay, so look, I think um, for those listening out there, we will actually do a specialised episode on insurance, especially the, the in-depth of home and contents. Yep. But for now, our opinion is that it is part of a cost that you should really factor in. Yeah. And, and, and you're better to have it than not. Totally. And as an investor, the insurance mm. is tax deductible. Yep. Um, but you definitely always have, as I said, building insurance. And you would also have um, contents insurance that covers your fixtures and fittings. Yes, most definitely. Wonderful. Uh, we've got one from a Lucy here who asks about what what happens on settlement day, which... I guess if you've never settled on a property, you don't know what happens on settlement day, do you? So let us tell you. Yeah, well, generally the two conveyances get together and have a good old time and settle. Correct. Well, apparently back in the day before yes. be- before my time um, and before your time too, of course, John. Thank you. The the conveyances, the solicitors just have to go to the, to the bank, physically go to the bank yes. and exchange paperwork. Can Amazing. you believe it? Hand it over. Yeah. Yes, but we now have a wonderful system called PEXA mm. and PEXA stands for Property Exchange Something Something Australia. <laughs> <laughs> PEXA. It, it just happens. <laughs> it just happens yeah. online and your settlement's done um, pretty much in a half an hour block. So what actually, what do you need to do on settlement day? Number one, you need to make sure that you can be in contact with your conveyancer to confirm settlements gone through. Now, legally, you cannot collect the keys to your new place from the agent's office until the agent has had written confirmation from the vendor solicitor that the settlement has occurred. Yep. Okay, so that's a really important factor because you might have confirmation, but if that solicitor is in a meeting or, you know, running a little bit behind schedule, it might be a slight delay. Unless you've had... Prior approval, early access. Correct, of yeah. course, yeah. Even, yeah, in yeah. your contract. Correct. Yep. Um, the other thing on settlement day, so I personally always advise against booking removal as a settlement day mm. because too many times I've heard of people, the settlement's being pushed back, pushed back, they've got a removalist truck yep. full of all their gear and just, they can't move into the property because no. settlement hasn't gone through. Yeah, and... and Sometimes that's out of their control, isn't it? Because the bank has let them down in yeah, that respect. It's not their fault. Mm. Um, but a, a handy tip here, I don't recommend people settling on a Friday, particularly a Friday before a public holiday um, because if your settlement's been delayed on the Friday, you have to wait Saturday, Sunday and the Monday and you're not nothing's happening until that Tuesday. No. PEX is shut, the yep. conveyances are shut, the banks are shut. Yep. Okay, so... If your settlement does go through properly, you would organise to pick up the keys and you move into your home. Hopefully you get a little gift from the agent to say welcome to the neighbourhood. Yeah. A little champagne. Absolutely. And if you're an investor, you've got no emotion at all. No. Your your property manager picks up your keys and you still haven't visited the property. Pretty much. That is actually the ideal. It's a very valid point, John. Mm. Very valid indeed. Okay. Now moving on to our next question from Jerome. Jerome says, hi, just throwing the question out there. I'm looking at selling my home in Perth, but I'm undecided whether to sell it or try to rent it. 
I've never done this before and it's my first home. My partner and I actually built it. Any help would be greatly appreciated. So it's their first home, they've built it, they're debating. Now, we don't have context of how long they've owned this property for, but basically the dilemma is do we sell or do we hold it as an investment and rent it out? What would you do, John? I'd have a clarity call with myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very fair point. (laughs) Yeah, look, I'd seriously consider not selling it Mm. because Perth is in a pretty good position at the moment. Yep. Now, I don't know what suburb it in, is in, how old the house is, etc. Yeah. But Perth has been flat for some time, mm. three, four, five years, maybe more, some suburbs. So, it's just gaining momentum. Vacancy rates are down yep. a lot lower than they were 12 months, two years ago. So, I don't know if now's the right time uh, to sell, but I also don't know his situation to be able to see what the cash flow in his life is and of course. those sort of things. So, yeah, probably needs to, to drill that out a bit longer. Just at a high level here, my instant response is if there's a if there's a price that makes sense to you to sell mm. that you're not sure if it's achievable, I'd just grab an agent to do an off-market campaign for two weeks, mm. you know, get the property vacant so you can get people in at any time, particularly if a rent's just finished, like a lease agreement's just finished and the property's vacant. Yeah. Window of opportunity, two weeks, tell the agent, if you can get X, Y, Z, we're a seller. Mm. If you can't, don't worry, we'll just rent it out again yeah. and revisit in 12 months' time. Yeah. That yeah. would be my high-level suggestion. Yeah. By, by the sounds of it, uh, and again, I'm just surmising, he may have trouble getting a renter, mm. uh, a tenant in, so yep. he's freaking out. I need to sell it. Yeah. It's costing me money. Yep. So, yeah, there's um, – yeah, we, we, we don't want to sell because of these short-term little pain points that we're getting. No. We look back with a bit of regret. Yeah. And you should – I mean, wise investors would allocate a number of weeks of the year that the property may be vacant and account for in their cash flow as well, I would suggest. Yeah, absolutely. Okie dokie. Well, we always love questions from our community. We always – want to add value. I know I've probably said that a lot in the podcast episodes that we record, but it is true. We believe that knowledge is power. Education is extremely helpful, particularly in the space where property, there's a lot of unknowns when you've never invested, you never bought before. So keep the questions coming, guys. Tag us, reach out to us. You can Insta us, you can email us, you can Facebook us. You can call us, you can book in a discovery call with John, particularly if you are looking at uh, your property situation and evaluating, should I do X or should I do Y? John can actually probably give you an answer to that when he has all all the information in front of him. He's a very wise man. (laughs) So uh, definitely do that. But we're here to help in whatever way that may be. Yeah. No, and I think, look, the podcast gives people some, hopefully some awesome information. Mm. Um, it's not the whole kit bag. No. So we, we're not going to maybe base our major decisions in our life off listening to a podcast or reading one book. So Correct. we do need to delve deeper in, into our personal situations, don't we? So, yeah. But hopefully we're giving enough value to, to keep listening. Um, yeah. Thank you to the questions too. Mm. They've been awesome, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. Keep them coming. Um, we love hearing from you and hope that if your question's been answered today, that's been helpful to you and the extended community. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, let's leave it there. Let's leave it there and we'll chat with you next week. Okay, bye.
We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.